Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are here to talk about Will and Grace Season 7, Episode 15, Bole Wole! Bole Wole. You're not going to scream, watch me now, watch me now? No. That's rude. Tess is so rude, guys. I, I'm not endorsing this Jeff Goldblum plotline <laughs> in any way. My name uh, is Tess, and I do not approve this message. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the episode description, and then we're going to jump right in. All right. Bully Wooly. When Scott Wooly, Jeff Goldblum, tries to get Grace to fire Karen by impersonating restaurant owner, the women plan a trap for him. It's not really a trap. It's a little bit of trap. It is funny. They give him a glass of cat pee. That's kind of a trap. Spoiler alert. We're talking about the episode <laughs> on the podcast. Okay, guys, spoiler alert, as in all 157 episodes prior to this, we're going to be talking about the episode. So if you haven't watched it, wow, like, stop right now, because, like, you are missing out on some high-quality, low-quality acting. <laughs> stop right now. Thank you very much. I need somebody with a human touch. You didn't want to do the next verse? No. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, we'll talk very briefly about the B-plot this week before we jump back into the A-plot, because I think that's where we want to start, right? With Jeff Goldblum again? Yeah. Um, but before we do that, uh, Will and Jack are also in this episode. They are, and they are actually quite fabulous this week. They are. So this week's B-plot features Will and Jack, and Will is feeling kind of down in the dumps, because as you may remember, uh, Vince dumped him because the writers were a bunch of cheapskates and didn't want to make Bobby Cannavale a regular cast member. Which I just think is horrible. So while they're waiting for his next guest star appearance, um, Will is very sad, mm-hmm. and Jack is like, have you considered that you're gay? And Will's like, I'd forgotten I was gay. Mm-hmm. Cliffhanger. Come to the Jack Gray, old chum. The Jack Gray was weird. Yeah. But the main part we want to talk about first is uh, the Jeff Goldblum one, because this yes. is a continuation more directly of an earlier episode plot. It's not last week's episode. It's the week before that. Yeah. Will and Grace is really getting experimental this week, guys. Not only are we calling back characters who were in uh, the episode immediately prior, it's the episode before that. We're doing this crazy thing now. It's called continuity. It's not even like the episodes were aired out of order. It's weird. They like It's wild. They were planned this way. I know. They were born this way. They're on the right track, baby. They are on the right track. They're this on, plot is not on the right this track. This plot is not on the right track. I want to retract that <laughs> statement. It's extremely on the wrong track. Yes. Jeff Goldblum is doing something in this episode, and I'm sure some people have called it acting, but we will not. <laughs> the worst part about it is that he's not even doing the same weird thing that he did in his last appearance. That is weird. Like, last week, he was like, he had a bit. Like, he had a full character form. And this week, it's like, it's that character's cousin... But also, he's kind of like, what if I introduced some interpretive dance? A little bit. and But also, all the other characters are especially weird. Like, Karen, at least is, it potentially could be hand-waved wo- w- away. Hand-wove? Hand-wove? Hand-woven? Hand-woven? <laughs> no, I think that's different. <laughs> we can hand-wave. There we go. We can hand-wave away why Karen is weird, because there's a throwaway line at the beginning of the episode where Grace is like, we really need to focus this week, Karen, so I'm going to need you to take out all the green, orange, and yellow pills. And Karen's like, but the orange ones are my hormone pills. And then she proceeds to act very wacky. So, you know, maybe because she's a 4,000-year-old, like, tomb raider or whatever, (laughs) um, the menopause is just mucking with her mind. 
but the tomb is... you raid may be your own. I just mean... <gasps> That's a great log line. You should write that down. I should write that down. You heard it here first. <laughs> I don't even know what the context could possibly be. You'll figure it out. I guess so. Log line first. Log context line first. Later. Work backwards. But, like, Karen is, like, very strange this episode and keeps referring to Jeff Goldblum as a sexy stork. Which is so weird, because, like, that's not even a thing they said last week. I didn't even know Jeff Goldblum was tall until this episode. I mean, I knew, like, objectively that he was a tall person. But, like, I I didn't, like, think that, like, that was, like, a defining feature. Yeah, like, you know how some people, like, you know that they're tall or short, and some people you're like, I just literally have never thought about that. Not even once. I try not to think a lot about Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, me either. And he's got, like, gangly arms, I guess, but, like, still. He's, but that doesn't make him storkish. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, like, Karen at one point is, like, talking like an old-timey newspaper salesman, and it, yeah. it, it felt like Karen was being written for a different show for part of this episode. And the one thing I will say about this plotline that is good is, so the setup is that he is pretending to be an eccentric millionaire who's opening a chain of restaurants. Which he is two-thirds of. Yes, but he is not actually named Haley Joel Osmond. Yes, which is a weird choice. I did not realize that Haley Joel Osmond was that much in the popular zeitgeist in 2004-2005. I feel like this might have been right around that time that he made that horrifying movie Bears? With, like, the the animatronic bear family? Bears? I don't know what it was actually called. That's not the name of the movie. (laughs) Are you thinking of Country Bear Jamboree? Maybe. Was he in that horrible movie? I think he was. Okay, well that wouldn't explain this, but it does explain something. something. <laughs> it explains something very deep about our country. But what works about this episode is that Grace and Karen find out really quickly that the woolly bully is back again. Trying because to Grace s- didn't meet him last time. Yes, and so for those of you who are maybe going, I don't remember what that deal was. Super quick recap. Uh, Karen defeated him in a high school election for student council by showing off her tits, and he swore his revenge. And then she did it again, but also she, in addition to showing off her boobs, showed off her knowledge of Machiavellian secret keeping. Which is, frankly, more impressive. Mm-hmm. But so Anybody he, can have a nice rack if you have money. But like, not everyone can execute some very deep cutthroat threats and blackmail. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Dinklage. Anyways, uh, but so he's back, mm-hmm. bowing his revenge some more. Um, but <laughs> his revenge some more. <laughs> revenge some more. <laughs> okay, th- this is vaguely relevant because the uh, name of the restaurant that he's trying to get Grace to participate in designing is called Wooly's Revenge. <laughs> Which just, like, it's just weird. So now I think they should... They should serve revenge s'mores. It is kind of weird that he doesn't just, like, have Grace design the chain of restaurants once he's defeated. Like, at that point, like, she's already done all the work. He's also already paid her. But, like, so basically, they're like, oh, well, you know, we'll trick him by continuing to make him believe that he has successfully gotten Karen Walker fired. Because that's, like, his condition to continue working with Grace on Wooly's Revenge restaurants. Is is that she has to fire Karen. Which, again, like, just to briefly back up, if his whole plan is to ruin her life, he realizes that she's, like, a billionaire right and like this job is just like i don't think he does a hobby like it's not like if she act i mean if she got fired it would definitely upset her relationship with grace and like we've seen that happen how would he know that but like clearly he's not done enough research to like indicate that grace and karen are close because if he had he would have realized that grace would immediately sniff out this plot right also like she could just fire her for like 
three weeks and then hire her back. Like, yeah. not a big deal. Also, that's, like, not a contract writer you can actually, like, enforce in any way. Like, I'm no lawyer, but I, I, <laughs> I do write one in a fanfic sometimes, and I'm pretty sure that's not legal. It's just, it's weird because, like, their whole trap is basically literally what we already said. It's that, like, he's been planning to drink this 57-year-old champagne, but, but Karen has already somehow found it opened it and replaced it with cat pee which i just i have so many follow-up questions how did she get the cat pee in the bottle why did he not think it was suspicious that the bottle was open was the cat pee bubbly because it seemed bubbly in the glass oh yuck and is that cat cat... Pee is already bad enough when it's not bubbly is that cat okay <laughs> i'm concerned about the cat karen shook the cat first also why can't jeff goldblum say champagne and, and why, when he was mispronouncing champagne, did he not at least mispronounce it the typical mispronunciation of champagne? Yeah, that was weird. How did he say it? He kept saying, like, I don't... Champagne? No, it was, like... Or champagne. It wasn't champagne? No, it wasn't champagne, because that would make sense. It was, like... It's like champagne or something. It was bad. It was not... It was not... Some yeah, tra- champagne, maybe? Maybe. I don't, it was something weird was happening. I just, I... Didn't Jeff Goldblum, like, win an award for this appearance? I don't even know. I don't want to Google it because I'm afraid to know the answer. I'm pretty sure he he was at least nominated for something. Honestly, that... most weeks we go into this, these episodes, like, totally blind of the, like, awards that people won. And I'm super okay with that. Yeah, me too. Awards are stupid and, and America's fake. But, like, you just... I can't fathom any universe where these two episodes existed and a, a, a panel of some sort of... People pretending to be judges. People Humans. would judge that as good right? in any way. It's so confusing. It's it's like frankly just upsetting. This is just... It's, not, <laughs> it's an upsetting episode. It's not good. And then he... So then the end of this plot line is especially weird because, first of all, he still pays Grace for the work she did not do. So that's, I guess he's a decent guy. Kind of. But then Grace is like, you know, the way you talk about Karen, it sort of seems like you got a little crush on her. And then he's like, I will vow to spend the rest of my life getting Karen to love me. And I don't know what else happened after that, because I'm pretty sure that I like <laughs> committed ritual suicide. Because I didn't want to live in a world where Jeff Goldblum tried to seduce Karen Walker. Yeah, I I live in fear of next week's episode when that will presumably happen. But I think that will be his last appearance, at least. So God, you know. I hope so. Or I'm gonna start drinking OxyClean. Like small I'm... tender mercies. Put me down. <laughs> Put me down. No. I'm sorry. I like genuinely. I do typically find Jeff Goldblum as like a delightful addition to things. Yeah. But this week it was just. It was it was too whimsical. It was so whimsical so weird. that I hated it. I had a, a very sudden bolt of lightning thought. I think that Jeff Goldblum, before we die, it, I guess would by definition have to be before he died, perform in a production of a Tennessee Williams play. Any Tennessee Williams play. Who would he play? Anyone. I want to see him play Blanche. Me too. Me too. I want to see him say that he's always relied on the kindness of strangers. I have always relied on the kindness of strangers. It was like a little William Shatner, but yet I bought it. Yeah, I mean, that's basically, I mean, he's just, 
He's William Shatner if William Shatner was trying harder to seem gayer. That is deep. Let's move on. All right, so now for the plot that I think both of us largely preferred this week. And I was surprised to prefer it, frankly, because it felt like we were being set up for a disaster. It really did. It was sort of like a little bit roller coastery at first, because like you're, you're going up and up and up, and you're like, oh, no, no, it's going to be bad. It's like, oh, no, Will and Grace is flirting with being a show about gays. What? No. Terrifying. They, they can't actually be gay. Someone will probably get called a Frenchman in 20 minutes. Did anyone get called that this week? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Congratulations, Will and Grace, for getting through an entire episode with an actual gay-centered plot where you don't use homophobic slurs. And a round of applause. Um, so this week's episode, we have Will and Jack kind of going out on the town. Mm -hmm. um, Jack is getting Will out of his funk because he got dumped by Vince for reasons. We already talked about it. Moving on. And it's actually kind of fun. Like, it they go to a fun. gay bar. There's a fun bit that is very true to life. Oh, about my God. How I loved this bit. There's a bit about how the gay bar is a straight bar until 9 o'clock. And they have to leave in two hours because it turns into a biker bar. Yes. And it's so real, it guys. It is extremely real. And so, like, they're there. And, and Will's like, I don't understand. Like, there's all these straight women. And this song is 20 years old. And Jack's like, no, no, no. We have to wait until 9. And then, like, at 9 o'clock exactly, all of the Like, gays, literally, like, the women like, run away. The there's, like, go-go boy on the table. Descend. The go-go boy, like, comes down from the ceiling. And it's beautiful. I also enjoyed this episode how... Like, it wasn't at all in any way, like, any gay club that has ever existed. But yet it had its own, like, fun identity as, like, the club where people dance, like, really weird. Yes. And I was like, you know what? Like, I get it. You can't have them actually moshing at each other. But, like, the idea of, like, this being America's introduction to gay bars is just so tickling to me. It is. It's really. It's middle America's introduction to gay bars. And we have Will, who's dancing wide. It's just like, yeah, you're <laughs> the, like, it's like, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It's like you have a perimeter. And, like, that's your dancing circle. But, like, you can, like, make your circle bigger if you dance more like a wacky, waving, wailing, inflatable, inflating two men. Do you have a stroke in the middle of that? <laughs> yes. And I also added wailing. Is that normally in there? No. I should ask someone about that. <laughs> I'm concerned. Please see someone about this. About my wailing two men? Yikes. <laughs> that sounds like a masturbation pun in there somewhere. Yikes. And their hills. Um, but I really enjoyed this because there are some things that are very much so about gay bar culture that were in there. Like, uh -huh. the the fact that, like, you can't both go get a drink or you'll lose your spot on the dance floor. That's very real. Um, th The thing that it doesn't get quite right is that when you're at a gay bar, typically the dancing is very close. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you're grinding on all of your friends. It's yeah. platonic grinding. If someone pops a boner, it's... It's fine. It's considered just, polite. It's Yeah, it exactly. It's considered polite. You're doing the friction correctly. Um, um, the thing that's weird about this episode, though, is that it, like... It skips the important part, which is that Jack abandons Will. Yes. So Jack is like, I'm going to go get a drink at the bar. And then we cut to the next morning when Jack's like telling a story about some dude he went home with. And Will's like, you left me at the bar and I had to do body shots off of Squirrel to get a ride home on his friend's Harley. I had so many questions about that. I couldn't tell if that was a pop culture reference or if there was just supposed to be a guy named Squirrel. Was he friends with Boris and Natasha? I, I'm so confused. Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> I kind of want to start a gay bar now called Moose and Squirrel. <gasps> Moose and Squirrel would be a great name oh for a gay God. bar! Be. And you could it's have, like... better than puzzles. Oh, puzzles. That's the puzzle. The puzzle. Um, but it's, it's actually really satisfying because, like, yes, you lose the benefit of, like, actually seeing Jack go home with someone. But what that leaves space for is 
this really lovely scene where, like, first of all, it's it's actually two scenes. It's one scene where Will and Jack get in a huge fight. Yep. And it's, like, a serious fight. Like, it's probably one of the biggest ones we've seen them ever get into. Mm-hmm. Um, where Will is just kind of like, I don't know what I was expecting. You're always like this. You always think about yourself first. You're I'm huge. never important to you. Yeah, you're a huge flake and all you care about is getting it in. Yeah. And then, like, just, like, storms out of his room. Like, As one it's does. great. It's super great. Um, but then the backup, or, like, the follow-up scene is great, too, because Jack asks Will out for lunch and, like, tells him he's going to spend the whole lunch paying attention to him because, like, he he's earned it. And, like, he does. And it's really, really especially gratifying because the, the episode sets up a bit that mm-hmm. then it delivers on. So yes. very early in the episode, before we go to the gay bar, before any of that stuff, we see Jack coming into Will's apartment holding a lock of Bernadette Peters' hair. Which is so weird, but let's move on. Which is super weird because apparently Jack has been crafting a Broadway diva's wig. And he just so happened to be behind her in line at Dwayne Reed. And he was also... <laughs> Buying toenail clippers. So he just... It was a perfect scenario. Got her hair. And so um, he then says later that the only person that he needs to complete the wig is Patty Lapone. And guess who's guest starring this week? It's Patty Lapone. It'd be weird if it wasn't, wouldn't it? It would be very weird if it was like... And then it was like, you know, <laughs> Bette Midler. Like... Right. Cheetah Rivera shows up. Very weird. But so he's... They're at this lunch. I think they said they were at Barney's and I, I don't know... Barney's used to do lunch. I was going to say, I don't know enough about Barney's in the early 2000s. I think they stopped doing lunch before they went out of business, but don't quote me on that. Point is, they're at, lu- they're they're at lunch, lunch Barney's. at Barney's. There is a really weird waiter slash host. Yeah, I don't know. Who is all up involved in this business. Um, I kind of assumed that Jack was going to try to sleep with the waiter host. Yes. Very good fake out on the part of the show. Congratulations to the writers. And so Will shows up and Jack is genuinely apologetic. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm here. I'm going to pay attention to you. I'm not going to fuck this waiter, at least until you leave. Or the host. We don't know really what he's doing. He's kind of doing both things. Probably doing Jack. There is also like a telltale piano behind this scene. It's just there, tantalizing. The tell piano. Tantalizing. It's just going plunk, 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 plunk. But in walks Tylophone. And Jack is like creaming his pants over this. <laughs> and it keeps getting more and more intense because he is trying so hard to uh-huh. be a good friend and focus on Will. I'm proud of him. He's He really is. He really deserves like gold star, blue ribbon. He He does wonderful things. This week. And, like, Patty Lapone like, drops her earring, and then she's, like, basically in Jack's lap, like, uh-huh. looking for it. And, like, she cracks a joke, and Jack just, like, won't engage. And at one point, she's, like, she's literally even, like, oh, yes, my hair's lovely, but it's a little long. And, like, you could see Jack, like, at the table, like, just holding it down with all hands. You could just see he's just, like, holding his body very taut and firm because he must be a good friend, even though all he wants is to cut Patty Lapone's hair. Like, that's a really creepy plot line. Let's, like, just say that out loud. But, like, it works. Willa Grace has blown a lot less creepy plot lines. So, like, the fact that they're sticking the landing on this one very deeply concerning. It's very deeply concerning, but I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. I, I I must say, I genuinely enjoyed it. It was really very funny. I mean, part of it is that Patty Lapone is buying in so hard. Yes, she's like super committed to the bit, which is especially great. So then our waiter host comes over and is explaining to Patty Lapone that it's his birthday and he is a huge fan and he saw her in, was it Evita? I think it was Evita. He saw her in Evita and came out in the, in the middle of intermission. And so would she mind terribly singing? And mm-hmm. so then she turns 
to Jack and Will's table uh-huh. and goes, "Would I just don't want to disturb your lunch. Would you gentlemen mind if I sang? <laughs> and Jack is so... He's, like, squeezing his body so tight that his response is just to, like, ignore her. And Will's like, Patty Lapone is talking to you. Right. And he's just, like, he just, like, you can watch him, like, combusting. And then he just, like, bursts out with, shut up, Patty Lapone! And it is beautiful. It's so good. It's just amazing. Like, our rendition is really not doing it justice. I cannot do it justice. I, I mean... If you didn't watch this episode, go watch. Go it. watch it. Like, go watch duh. it immediately. It's amazing. It's so good. Like, if I was gonna recommend an episode of Will and Grace for someone to watch, I wouldn't recommend this one because of Jeff Goldblum. But if I could magically make Jeff Goldblum disappear on this episode, and I could say, "Hey, if you want to watch an episode of Will and Grace, you should watch this one that's weirdly fourteen minutes. We don't know why. <laughs> don't it's, ask questions. Don't ask questions. It's exquisite. It's beautiful. And so." Will finally is like, Jack, what the fuck? What's going and, on? And this is so sweet. It's very Gift of the Magi. Which yes. Jack explains what he's doing, and Will's like, that is so sweet, and I'm so appreciative. And now, because I love you and because you are my friend, let's get that diva's hair. He literally says, let's go scalp that diva. <laughs> and so then the, ta- the tag at the end of the episode is Jack and Will and Patty LaPone. With the host waiter on piano singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. And then, as, like, they reach the climax of the song, you just see Jack, like, pull out these scissors with this intense mania in his eyes. As he's just like, ah! It, it is, it is life-changing. It. Reader, I wept. It broke me. I'm a different person now. My life will forever be... Before Mania Scissors and after <laughs> Mania Scissors. And the worst part is that I know I've seen this episode before, but I don't think I was quite enough of a gay man at the time to, like, process what had just happened to me. But it, it, the best part is, like, as a gay man, like, it, it, gays who are listening to this, you know the exact moments it happens because it's the moment where, like, Patti Lapone finishes singing and the piano goes, ba, 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 ba. Uh-huh. And he's just like... <laughs> Scissors. <laughs> so terrifying. I love it so much. It's fantastically scary. It's like so great. Amazing. I want to live in that moment. I want to <laughs> bottle that moment and drink it every time Donald Trump says something stupid. That moment is the good place. That moment is the good place. Speaking of the good place just ended and I'm very sad. Me too. But I think I'm sadder. Probably. I have a lot of feelings about the ending. I just have a lot of feelings. You know who doesn't have a lot of feelings? Patty LaPone. Yeah, I, I imagine she puts them all out on stage. Mm-hmm. Who are you gonna say? I was gonna say Jeff Goldblum. Oh well, that's true too, but for different reasons. Yes. We've all learned something today, boys and girls. And. Oh, and non-binary beans. <laughs> there you <laughs> Sorry, go. Sorry, I got a little too Mister Rogers. I need to be like twenty-first century Mister Rogers. Yes, indeed you do. But also, if you just address them as children, it seems creepy. Yes. What have we learned today, children? Don't go in the woods. Yeah, that sounds a little Hannibal Lecter. You know what? We'll workshop this for our second podcast. <laughs> Where we just recap episodes of Daniel Tiger. <laughs> God bless. All right. Can, I we, think... can we screen that at... Yeah. at uh... At Moose and Squirrel. I thought you were gonna say like South by Southwest, and I was like, no, we can't. We oh no, I want to screen it at Moose and Squirrel. Yeah, Moose and Squirrel. That sounds fine. Okay. 
All right. Tess, will you tell people where they can find us on the internet? I sure can. Um, so if you want to give us any other ideas for weird offshoot podcasts or bars that we could open, you can find us primarily on Twitter. We are at Not A Couple Show. Um, in addition to posting about this podcast, we also live tweet all the episodes of The Revival there. And we only have a few of those left. Sad. So watch that space. Um, but you can also find us on Facebook, on Tumblr, and you can listen to this episode on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode this week, everybody. Uh, we will be back next week with more Will and Grace. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this is Ben, not a couple. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hi, kitten. You're my favorite feline. This episode of Not a Couple was brought to you by Not a Tiger, the brand new podcast from your favorite Not a Couple podcast host, where we recap old episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood that featured Daniel Tiger, who's very sad for some reason. Sometimes he wonders if he's a mistake. <laughs>